0: Hey y'all, and thank you for listening to and supporting Sweet Tea and TV. We've wrapped up Season 4 and we're headed into Season 5, but before we get there, we wanted to do a quick flashback of some of our favorite Sweet Tea and TV episodes of all time.
1: So, for the month of September, you'll get a re-air every week, as usual, Mondays will be a main episode, and Thursday, you'll get an extra sugar.
0: These are episodes we love so much, so we hope you'll enjoy revisiting them, or if you're new around here, getting a sense for the best of Sweet Tea and TV.
1: We'll be back in October with brand new Season 5 episodes. Enjoy!
0: Hi, welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar. Hi, Selena. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) She's here. Uh, Throughout the course of Designing Women, we've heard a few references to Jim Baker or his once wife, Tammy Faye Baker. We've probably touched on it a time or two in references, but we've never really given it the full "Eh, extra sugar, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, And let me tell you, if any tea deserves extra sugar, it's this one. It's piping hot (laughs) and at times it's bitter, but there's plenty of it. You like that? I do. So let's get into it. Okay. So to get us all on the same page from the beginning, the kind of too long didn't read version is that Jim Baker is an American televangelist. So that is a person who uses media, usually either radio or TV, to promote Christianity. He built built a very successful ministry alongside his wife, Tammy Faye Baker, through the 70s and 80s. You usually hear their names mentioned among other names like Pat Robertson or Billy Graham or Jerry Falwell and Jimmy Swaggart who we've definitely talked about on here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jimmy, if you'll remember, is the guy who cried on TV when it was revealed he'd been seen at a motel with a sex worker. Oopsie poopsie. Mm -hmm. Well, old Jim Baker had his own spectacular fall from grace in the late 80s. Um, It was actually around the time that Designing Women aired, uh, he experienced a sex scandal of his own, along with like some other shady business dealings, which landed him in jail. Tammy Faye stood by his side as long as she could, but ultimately divorced him to marry his associate, a successful contractor. Before, during, and after their divorce, Tammy Faye really went through it. She was lambasted in the media. A lot of times when you hear her mentioned like in a TV show or movies, they're making fun of her a little bit. Um,
1: a lot of bit, a lot of bit. And then
0: like in the news media, um, a lot of times she was taken to task for what happened, um, with Jim, which was really unfair. Um, anyway, when Jim got out of jail, he went back to televangelizing. Um, and today he specializes in end of days ministry, including of course, promoting survivalism gear. Um, she became an LGBTQ icon and experienced a little bit of a resurgence in her popularity until she died of cancer in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're lucky to have international listeners here. So the reason I define televangelist is because my research tells me that's maybe a really American concept. Mm-hmm. Um, our media is largely deregulated, which means that like anybody with enough money can secure time on network or cable TV. America! Woo! <laughs> so when you combine that with a large Christian population, that's sort of how televangelists became a thing. Um, The American nature of televangelism, though, has shifted over time um, since TV programming has become more international, um, and even some American televangelists have found home on international TV. So in other countries, they're watching people like Jim Baker, which is interesting. Um, Interestingly, I wanted to mention this, the term televangelist was coined by the Southern Baptist Convention, um, because you talked about them at length before. Um, It was coined by them in 1958 to title a TV miniseries associated with the group, Um, though people had been using radio for a long time. That was just the first time they talked about it in the concept of TV. Um, so because of that, I want to plug your extra sugar in, um, it was season two, episode 20. Um, it's the episode where Charlene starts to question her minister. Um, so Selena did a pretty deep dive into the Southern Baptist convention. It's not duplicative of the segment I'm doing today at all, but they have sort of shades of similarity. So it's probably like a good companion piece to consider. So what I want to do with today's segment now that we all know who we're talking about is I want to share a brief history of the Bakers talk a little bit more about their rise and fall and then I want to end with some thoughts about their respective legacies. Um, Tammy Faze in particular like I mentioned a little bit earlier took kind of a sharp right turn in my opinion after mm-hmm. their marriage ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think sort of my last caveat to this whole segment is I think I really was going to just focus on Jim Baker because he was the specific reference in the show. Um but I found myself so drawn to Tammy Faye's story, um, which is really ironic because I think that was sort of Jim Baker's Achilles heel a little bit. It was like the Princess Diana Charles dynamic
1: oh sure people loved her so exactly sure
0: um so it's really kind of ironic
1: magnetic
0: she is and so selena and i were talking off mic and i'm going to get into this in a second i watched um the eyes of tammy faye or through the eyes of tammy faye in preparation for the segment and she watched it too separately not related to the segment so if as i'm talking anything comes up for you feel free to jump in because there may be things i'm not covering that you think are important um so first up where did jim and tammy faye come from Well, he was born in 1940 in Michigan, and she was born in 1942 in Minnesota.
1: Does that surprise you? I was very shocked when I saw that. That's covered in the movie. Um, Like, not in depth or anything, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely a part of it. And I'm like, well, where do those Southern accents come from? Because they're
0: very Southern sounding. In the movie or just in, in life? I thought it was both. Really? You didn't think she sounded Southern in the movie? I have to tell you, I knew very little about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker Mm -hmm. going into either this segment or the movie. I only know her eye makeup. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the extent of what I know about her. And so I think I assumed, and just putting my cards on the table, I assumed um, kind of like a a conservative Christian televangelism situation was going to be from the South. Sure. So when she started talking and all she had was that um, Minnesota accents, I was like, what is happening? Gosh, you know what?
1: I wonder if something's happening where I feel that way so much that I am inventing a Southern accent in my head. Oh. But yeah. I really thought that, like, to me, it's very, like, oh, a bit, a bit, a bit, like, sing-songy like Southerners are.
0: It was, to me, I got a lot of, you yeah, betcha. Oh, oh that's for sure. true. Oh, Yeah. yeah. A lot of of Minnesota to me. So I was just surprised because that's not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. Now, I did watch a couple interviews with her and like segments with her after. And I think that Jessica Chastain was playing the accent up a little bit.
1: Well, I also wonder if things got muddled sounding from their time in the South.
0: That's possible. And we'll get into that in a second. They did spend quite a lot of time in the South. Um, So I found a Chicago Tribune article that really spoke to Jim's childhood and upbringing because the movie didn't really talk about that at all Mm -hmm. from Jim's perspective because it's about her. Um, So Wikipedia just gave his parents names and then notes that he attended a Bible college in Minneapolis, and that's really it. So I almost took that to mean that was pretty much it and really there's not much to see here. But because I'm committed to the cause, I went a little bit deeper. And I actually really am glad I did because I think it tells you a lot about this man and sort of why he would have been compelled to be a leader of a church and on TV and like why he would want people looking at him and paying attention to him. Mm -hmm. Um, so his grandpa Joe was a traveling Pentecostal evangelist in the early 1900s. Um, but he did like fire and brimstone kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I read a couple anecdotes, like he would stop smokers in the street to tell them they were going to hell for smoking like strangers. That's very helpful. Um, and he also got a black eye, um, Evangelizing a at a prison. Oh. In prison. And so, like, yeah. So I don't know what he said to that guy, but probably something pretty not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the example that Jim's dad, Raleigh, was working off of later. Um, the article says that Raleigh's beliefs, quote, bordered on eccentric. Um, for instance, he claimed he saw angels on several occasions. Um, and Raleigh's wife, who was Jim's mom for Nia, she also sounds interesting. They had, so there were four children, including Jim. At the birth of her first grandchild when she was 41, she told her son Bob, so that was the oldest of her children, uh, Jim's oldest brother, uh, she wasn't interested in being a grandmother. So, like, get that away from here. Uh, When another one of her children had a leg amputated, she didn't care for him at all in the hospital because she said hospitals made her, quote, nervous. Um, Jim was her fourth and final child, and to say that he was a disappointment sounds like an understatement. Allegedly, she sobbed at his birth because she wanted a girl, and so she wanted as little to do with him as possible.
1: Hey, man, not every woman's maternal. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and I think that's fine. I think that it sounds like she was uh, almost a, a mentally abusive. Mm, it's fine not to not fine. be maternal. Yeah. It's, Yeah. Um, fortunately her parents live next door and I read some things that seem to indicate that like his grandma was sort of that figure for him. Like she doted on him and, yeah. um, offered him really a safe place to go. I think
1: also some of that behavior may be more common than we think. Like, um, wanting one gender oh. kid or sex kid and getting another and mm-hmm. like maybe like you could have kept that to yourself, but you decided to share it for some strange reason, like you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The Other stuff might be a little, little weird. Or like if you have a neuroses about the hospital, like nothing's going to get you past that. So, I'm not saying that's cool. I'm just saying I think people are super flawed, and yeah, um, and they they might turn out a Jim Baker. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, the other thing I read about his, like, grandmother's influence is that that might have, that like, one of the theories is that might have been why he was kind of um, drawn to televangelism because there were, like, older women who would come and, like, dote on him and loved watching his he, he programs and stuff. That to he was looking for love and acceptance, yeah. I think, is sort of the point aren't that I took all? away. Man, aren't we?
1: different? Different ways, but yeah
0: uh so anyway jim attended a bible college in minneapolis which was affiliated with the assemblies of god so i almost glossed over that assemblies of god bit because it just sort of feels like i don't know do you want to deep dive on the assemblies of god or do you want to talk about jim baker you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. there's only so many ways we can go but i ended up just like looking into it a smidge just to make sure there wasn't anything relevant there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do want to share a little bit about it because I think it also is relevant to the way he preached and what he preached. Um, So the Assemblies of God was founded in 1914 in, of all places, Hot Springs, Arkansas, during a meeting of penecostals there's like a lot of roads that lead to the bakers from designing women okay. just so you know okay. <laughs> during a meeting of pentecostal ministers in 2011 i read that the assemblies of god was the ninth largest christian denomination in the us and the second largest pentecostal denomination mm-hmm. Um, According to a Wikipedia page about them, the Assemblies of God holds to a conservative, evangelical, and Armenian theology as expressed in the Statement of Fundamental Truths and Position Papers. This is the part I want you to take away from this. It emphasizes such core Pentecostal doctrines as the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, divine healing, and the second coming of Christ. It defines for itself a fourfold mission to evangelize others— worship God, disciple believers, and show compassion. So I wanted to share that because I think it kind of gives you some roots for from where Jim and and also Tammy Faye were preaching right. because Tammy Faye also went to the same college that he went to. Mm-hmm. So her childhood sounds equally traumatic. She was born Tammy Faye LaVallee, two Pentecostal preachers, Rachel and Carl, Um, They divorced after a couple of years, um, which was really frowned on by the church. So her mother, Rachel, didn't really have much of a relationship with the church for a bit. And this plays out a little bit in the movie. Um, Though Rachel ultimately remarried to a man named Fred, which blended their families and made Tammy Faye the oldest. So again, to prepare for the segment, I watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is a 2021 dramatization of a 2000 documentary about Tammy Faye. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So that little bit at the beginning of the movie, she says, um, which I think will become more relevant later, she talks about her makeup and how it stays on. That was actually right. in the documentary.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, so the film's on HBO Max, which is where I watched it if you want to watch it. It was worth it. I should
1: have been able to put that together. I guess I thought that was just
0: an interview. It was an interview. It was. But mm-hmm. I don't think
1: I realized it was an interview in a documentary. Okay. It's
0: very meta. There's a lot of pe- layers lot to it. meta. Totally worth watching it, though. Um, Mm -hmm. So we just talked about this. Jessica Chastain played Tammy Faye. I thought she was really darn good in that role.
1: I think I read something that, like, her... She said her eyes, eyelashes have not been the same.
0: Oh, I didn't read that, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, God bless her. Yeah. Oh. Um, Anyway, I brought up that film a lot of reasons but here because it tells like it includes a really jarring retelling of tammy faye's childhood yeah. so according to the film her mother wouldn't allow her to, to attend church with the rest of the family because tammy faye was the product of a divorced relationship which the church frowned on. And so like in the movie, it sort of shows that her mom was separate from the church for a long time. They finally let her back in because she plays piano and she's the only one who could do it. So Tammy Faye Mm -hmm. doesn't get to go to church with them because her mom doesn't want to get kicked out again. Tammy Faye has a very religious moment in the church in the film, and that's sort of where she started her relationship with God.
1: But it's a sad childhood. Well, it's almost like they smell the trauma on one another. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're drawn to each other from that. And I think that happens a lot. Also, I don't know if you're just holding to mention it. So I hope I'm not whatevering you here. um, Jumping the gun. But like uh, Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker. I think he does such a good job.
0: I thought he was really good. I am not really going to talk about that at all. Um, So, no, you're not jumping the gun. I thought he did a really good job. I read a couple of pieces that indicated they didn't think he was all that great. They thought his accent was weird. They thought he overacted.
1: See, and I thought it was great because I think think that's what – they're known for, yeah. is really pumping up the drama. Yeah. Um, so well, I disagree with that. I, thought I it did was a great too. performance.
0: I thought he was really good. I I don't know that I would have placed that as Andrew Garfield necessarily. Mm-hmm. It took me a few minutes to recognize who oh, he was. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just I think he's a really good actor.
0: I don't think about Andrew Garfield all that often. I think either. about him every day. <laughs> no, he's not really top of mind for me. Um, well, I also read that. uh I read, I don't read. I also
1: watched the um, the show that he did um, about the Mormon church and the oh. death. Uh, I don't know. The name's escaping me. So, I and some friends and I were recently talking about that. So, I think he is a little top of mind for me. Damn, gosh darn it. I wish I could remember the name of that show. I wish right? I could help you. Um, but, anyways, yeah, I think he's really good.
0: Anyway, so Jim met Tammy Faye in 1960 near the Bible college that they were both attending. They both worked in nearby retail spots. They married in 1961, which required them both to drop out of college uh, since the students were discouraged from marrying one another. Uh, The film covers the early days of their marriage pretty well, including acknowledgement that Rachel, um, again, Tammy Faye's mother, didn't particularly support the union. Um, One anecdote of sort of this early time that plays out – in baker lore and also in the movie is that jim shared with tammy faye how he came to god so as he told it he left church early one night stole his dad's car and went joy riding with a girl um, he says he ended up running over a boy and promising to God that if he spared the boy, he'd dedicate his life to the ministry. So apparently Jim went on to retell that story in a few places, including his autobiography, but it's since been refuted specifically by family members. Oh. So his cousin claimed the incident happened with him in the car um, and that they don't remember a significant like religious turnabout at that moment. Um, but I'm sharing that not to call Jim Baker a liar or you know to question anyone's coming to God, but it's really just to say that that's a pretty semi- Moment in their courtship, at least according to the movie, which I assume is based in this autobiography or this documentary, so must have been retold by her. And so it's pretty jarring to me that the relationship one could have been built on a lie, and two, if he started lying in his teens about religion and religious roots, that seems questionable.
1: And all that I do see, like what you're saying too about like these. these reviews of his performance. Cause I remember that particularly being like, all right, calm down. Yeah. But I just assume that that's who he is. I think you're right. I think like, um, he's high drama. And I think that
0: Jim like, Baker, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think that was his way of trying to like enrapture people. And for some people that really works for me, it would have been a huge turnoff, but we're just all different. Cause it, did seemed very attention seeking, which I think really loops back to what you're saying about his childhood. And because I can't let a thing go, the, that Andrew Garfield starred in was Under the Banner of Heaven. And now I'll take Uh, a breath.
0: There you go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did go and watch a couple of, um, again, like I said, clips of Jim and Tammy Faye. Maybe someone who's more of this generation and has a stronger, clearer memory of Jim and Tammy Faye from this time would be in a better position to comment on how realistic their portrayals were in the movie. But based on every clip I saw, Jim is like (sniffs) up here in terms of drama. So I, I think it was not over the top. I think that's just how he was. right? Um, Anyway, after their marriage and spending some time with Tammy Faye's family, um, they took off to become traveling ministers. And you sort of mentioned this a minute ago, they really traversed the Bible Belt and found their way to the South. Um, So in particular, they developed a puppet show to preach to children. The puppet show was really successful and caught the attention of Pat Robertson, who... (laughs) was much younger at this time than I know Pat Robertson as being. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he at this time had recently launched a Christian television station in Virginia. Um, and so he asked the couple to come on and host their puppet show on the station. Um, the station was the Christian Broadcasting Network. Um, Jim did that for a few years before he became host of the daily news program, the 700 Club, which I is what I remember Pat Robertson. I mean, he just recently stepped down, which I probably mentioned in a minute, but um That's what I remember him from. So it was really weird to see him very young.
1: I'm just excited to see if you mention it or not. (laughs) Me too. Will she not? (laughs) We just get that paragraph? We'll Tune in.
0: <laughs> I struggled a little bit to validate the eyes of Tammy Faye's retelling of the roots of the Seven Hundred Club. According oh. to the film, Jim pitched the show to Pat. Pat was really lukewarm about it, so Jim just like announced it during the puppet show to the delight of the audience, and that's <laughs> right. how it started.
1: Right, and there seemed to be some jealousy there. Yes, yeah. there was. A,
0: there was a definite. Um, you could feel there was a conflict there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim ended up hosting the Seven Hundred. Club for a few years until he and Tammy Faye left the Christian Broadcasting Network under the guise of, quote, philosophical differences. Um, But lots of other source material seems to indicate that Pat created a series of telethons to save the network in the early 60s when they were facing financial ruin. He called it the 700 Club because they were trying to raise the $700 of operating expenses for the network. And that is what morphed into the daily news show. I don't I don't really know maybe a little bit of all of it is true but either way do you want to say
1: something I'm just trying to stay close to the mic now
0: (laughs) (laughs) either way Jim was the host he was the original host of the 700 club like I said it's a program that remains on the air today and Pat just stepped down in 2021 at the age of 91 I mentioned it for you Selena 91
1: 91
0: yep And after whatever happened between them, Jim and Tammy Faye took their toys and left the playground. They landed in Charlotte, North Carolina, where they started PTL, Praise the Lord, or Sometimes People That Love Satellite Network, in 1974. At the time they launched PTL, only TBS, which we've talked about before, and Atlanta Staple, um, and HBO were broadcasting via satellite which was a really big deal because it took their message and their personality beyond Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm.
1: Good, 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 good.
0: Um, So they reached a lot more people than they would have reached by cable or network TV, and the donations really poured in. Praise the Lord. Along those lines, it was during this time that the Bakers lived a really lavish lifestyle. Um, According to one article I found, in the early 80s, they had a 10,000-square-foot home near Charlotte, a Florida beach condo, and vacation homes in Palm Springs and Palm Desert, California, along with one in Gatlinburg, Tennessee.
1: He shall provide.
0: He shall provide. Mm -hmm. Tammy was known for her proclivity for shopping, but I found several references, including one that she like flat out says it in an interview they do after all the things happen, um, that she was also a, a really big bargain shopper. So, like, she shopped at bargain places to save money. Um, I think that's important to me because I think there's this misogynistic inclination to think, like, her shopping was the problem. And the media really played that up. Like, that's why they were so greedy is because Tammy Faye needed to stock her closet.
1: That happens a lot. it does politicians too. it really does
0: yeah and that's why I say like in a lot of places she was really in my opinion and based on all the facts I can find really unfairly dragged in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um I told Selena off mic that there was a whole other kind of thread to all this which is part of their belief system is that God will provide and that um Tammy Faye mentions this in the in the movie like being a minister or being in ministry doesn't mean we have to be poor. That was almost an essential part of their religious beliefs. Now, whether that was for greedy reasons or because they genuinely, truly believed it, I don't know the answer to that. But that kind of is sort of where that was coming from. And it was true of lots of people in that world at that time.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll never know. And I think that is why the story that you told about whether or not what led him to God is true or not Mm is like, are they just misled in their beliefs Mm -hmm. or are from what we see, or are they charlatans? Mm -hmm. And I think, I I mean, I think that's the, we don't know. We don't know. That's what makes it fascinating. Mm
0: -hmm. And it really, I mean, all of it is fascinating. So it was also during this time, remember we're in the seventies at this point, they're starting praise the Lord network. Mm So in 1978, they launched Heritage USA, a 23 100-acre Christian-themed water park and theme park and residential complex in Fort Mill, South Carolina.
1: And what has struck me, because I was remembering that part when you were talking about their lavish lifestyle, I was remembering that part from the movie, and then it dawned on me how much the show, The Righteous Gemstones, is really connected to them because there's a similar plot in that show, but of course it plays out much differently. But
0: Yeah, that... The entire time I was researching this segment and watching that movie, The Righteous Gemstones was in, like top of mind for me. I
1: didn't even know you watched that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. Kyle loves um, Danny McBride, Danny McBride yeah. like a lot. We would watch anything in our house that Danny McBride does. Yeah. As a South Carolinian, um, this thread totally surprised me. I've never oh. heard of this place. Uh-huh. I've never heard of this place. Did it come to be?
1: That was what I really
0: did So know. yeah, by okay. 1986, it had grown to attract nearly 6 million visitors a year. To be fair,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it it like would have disappeared more or less by the time I was old well, enough the, to go. So that would make sense why I'd never heard of it. Sure. Uh, but it had attracted about 6 million visitors a year. It was um, the third most visited theme park in the U.S. I should have double checked whether like where Dollywood was on this list, um, because Dollywood's another really big one for us in the South. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several references referred to it like consistently as Christian Disney World.
1: Okay.
0: So as the theme park. It's so weird.
1: It just blows my mind. (laughs) It's it's so weird. Come take a picture with Jesus.
0: It feels like something, which is why this whole thing surprised me. This is 100% somewhere that I would have found myself in my childhood. So the fact that I have no idea this existed is shocking to me.
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: Um, As the theme park and the ministry grew, though, their marriage sank. The Tammy Faye movie depicted an affair of Tammy Faye's with a music producer, which I believe has actually been pretty thoroughly debunked, but other source material indicates she did have affairs throughout the early 80s. Um, She also developed a prescription pain pill addiction during this time and actually overdosed at one point. Which she ultimately apologized for on air. So for what it's worth, the movie shows her apologizing for her affairs. But I read that it was actually this prescription drug use that she apologized for on air to the viewers. So in the movie, they play it out that Jim Baker forced her to go on air and apologize um, because he was so put off by this affair, which in a minute will put a really bad taste in your mouth. Um, but in, in fact, it was the drug use they asked her to apologize for. Um, throughout the late 70s and early 80s, sort of while their marriage troubles are happening, while the ministry is growing, they are also facing a number of charges um, of misuse of funds raised by their ministry. Um, so it sounds like it started with charges that they allegedly raised money on air to support overseas missions, but they actually poured that money into Heritage USA, the theme park, instead. Um, so those charges were sort of simmering on the back burner. They were investigated. They were captured in reports, et cetera, through Why the 70s you and 80s. Why say
1: that it was for the park? Because I feel like, I mean, for me, I think it's, uh, it's so great. Um, so I might be like, really, a park? But I feel like the group that they're catering to will be like, oh, a, a, like a, a park that's going to teach people about God and connect it to fun? Great.
0: That's a great point. This is weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that they probably, I don't, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Let me not, just say, do you, yeah, I don't really do you know. But I think there's something there. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably a rationale. Uh, I mean, there definitely is a rationale, but I think there's probably something to like not wanting to be seen as too ostentatious, not wanting to admit how much money they've poured into this part, because mm-hmm. I think it was losing substantial amounts of money Which and they needed people to believe people it was successful year. to have them buying into it.
1: Well, you know, like it's almost like, they probably didn't have the right skill set to be able to do it. So even if it was attracting people and they were just, and they were living these lavish lifestyles and then they were probably supporting other things and people. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think there was a lot happening. So all these charges of financial misuse and financial concern were simmering on the back burner. Then 1987 happened and the news exploded that Jim Baker had been accused by a church secretary of sexual misconduct. So as his marriage with Tammy Faye fell apart, he allegedly had a sexual affair with the secretary and then tried to bribe her for silence using ministry funds. What I wasn't able to figure out initially is why this came out in 1987. Their sexual encounter allegedly occurred in 1980. But in looking at another bit of their legacy, I think I might have at least found part of the answer. So Selena, hold on to your hat. We're going to come back to that one. Okay. Either way, it was 1987. It was um, that report that brought everything crashing down the secretary who was named jessica claimed he was sexually inappropriate with her against her consent he never denied their sexual encounter as far as i can tell but he did deny it was rape he said it was consensual um it sounds like she's never agreed that it was consensual but she did later say she was not comfortable using the word rape to characterize the event Mm. either way no good right right Um, Jerry Falwell another successful televangelist who I mentioned a minute ago he swooped in to save the day the best so you might recognize his name if not as a televangelist maybe as one of the founders of Liberty University a private Baptist University in Virginia Selena's making a face
1: one of my favorites.
0: The school is affiliated with the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. Liberty, under the leadership of Jerry Falwell's son, Jerry Falwell Jr., strongly embraced Donald Trump in the lead-up to his presidential run uh, and then following his election. So, again, all of that could be a segment to itself. Super um, Christian. But I'm bringing it up here because I feel like to understand current conservative-leaning politics in our country, that really is a deep dive into big religion. The Bakers were certainly a piece of that in the 70s and 80s, um, but it was folks like Jerry who had a lot more influence. So I want that you to have that context in mind as Jerry comes in and presents himself as the solution to Jim and Tammy Faye's troubles in 1987. Somehow an arrangement was struck that Jim Baker would step away from PTL ministry uh, and the network until the scandal blew over and that Falwell would take over. What the Bakers didn't realize is that they would soon be entirely ousted from PTL by Falwell. As he stepped in, he realized the ministry was like severely in debt and bleeding money daily. This goes back to what I was just talking about. Additionally, further rumors came forth alleging Jim Baker had engaged in a number of same-sex sexual encounters. So in May of 1987, Falwell held an hour-and-a-half-long press conference claiming the bakers unfit to return to the ministry for all these reasons, plus that they had allegedly made a number of unreasonable demands of Falwell as he tried to get them to reasonably step away from the ministry. So that played out in the movie as well, where basically he set them up to make these unreasonable demands. He said, We really don't want to just cast you out. We want to take care of you as you've taken care of our herd, basically. So you tell us what you need to live comfortably. Um, And almost encourage them to, like, shoot for the moon, you know? Just tell us what we can give you. So Jim and Tammy Faye did, and he used that as evidence that they were greedy and super unchristian in their conduct. So he staged a coup, and he took over. So the Bakers went on a media offensive. They did a really noteworthy interview with Ted Koppel on Nightline. He claimed years later, this was his number one interview in thousands of interviews. That said so much to me. Ted Koppel oh, is like, like the news. Said, okay. Yeah. And he said that was number one. Mm-hmm. It's not because he loved the bakers or because he thought the interview was like amazing and you know groundbreaking. It was because of public interest. He said he's never had more people interested in coverage of his than he did in this story. So all of this plays out in um, the Tammy Faye movie, and it is a whole thing. You can also watch um, the original version of the interview on YouTube. Okay. So all this drama really was leading to more scrutiny of the Bakers and PTL's portfolio and finances. Um, and in 1988, Jim was indicted on a number of charges, including a wire fraud and cons- including wire fraud and conspiracy charges. Tammy Faye was never indicted. Um, The trial itself brought its own fair fair share of drama. Again, I was going to skip this, and then I read a couple of these anecdotes, and I was like, holy moly, because I did jury duty last year. And if I had been in this courtroom, I would have enjoyed jury duty a lot more. Um, So at one point, a longtime staffer of Praise the Lord Network fainted while testifying. They actually thought he died. (laughs) they were saying that um, people were screaming for Jim to like pray over him because they thought like the people in the galley thought he could really save this man oh man
1: this must have been nuts
0: and then apparently Jim himself had a psychological break at one point in the trial and it was paused for nearly a week so he ultimately returned to the courtroom and testified but it was all for naught on October 5th, 1989, he was found guilty on all 24 counts for which he was being charged. He was sentenced to 45 years in prison in order to pay a $500,000 fine. He filed an appeal that the sentence was like way too long, and ultimately his sentence was reduced to eight years. He served about five and was ultimately paroled in 1994. So while Jim was in prison, Tammy Faye filed for divorce, ultimately remarrying to Roe Messner. And so she became Tammy Faye Messner. Um, he was the contractor, actually, who built Heritage USA. He himself was ultimately imprisoned for two years for bankruptcy fraud.
1: There's just so much.
0: So through all of this, I mentioned early, Tammy Faye was really dragged in the media. Um, mainstream press had long mocked her for her excessive use of makeup and wigs, not to mention her ostentatious style of dressing, and um, which I, you were talking about uh, Jessica Chastain's eyelashes, it really plays out in the movie. You see how her makeup um, morphs over time to kind of fit this personality. When you say
1: morphs, I was thinking escalate. Escalates, sure, that's good.
0: <laughs> um, so again, she was a lot of times blamed for all of this. Um, but while Jim was being tried in court with actual like proof his actions people were speculating about her role in all of it though effectively they both denied she had any knowledge of the situation i think there's something to that like people's willingness to blame her contrary to evidence against him it's certainly how it's played in the movie yeah right Mm -hmm. you know
1: that i think like she does come across as the empathic one um she comes across as truly not knowing and i think just being um I mean this in the nicest way possible. just ignorant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess we'll never really, never really, unless unless you're about to roll out some evidence, unless you've been doing some original reporting. Um, and so I think that's at play, but I, I did want to add to just thinking back about the movie. And I was thinking particularly about Vincent D'Onofrio and he plays Jerry Falwell. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really liked about the movie, I mean, we don't know what these conversations were like, right? We weren't there. Neither were the people who were making the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I did like this way that she sort of pushes back on a lot of the sexism that's mm-hmm. going on at the time. Um, and it was very much so in the, you betcha, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, because she, you betcha I'm going to sit at this table with all the men and you betcha I'm going to sit here. That was
0: such an amazing scene. Oh,
1: I loved it. So she was really like that. It's really, it's really cool because it was also just like, it just didn't dawn on her as mm-hmm. it shouldn't. That like, because there is definitely this underpinning particularly, and this is one of the things that I talked about in the Southern Baptist convention segments, like women are almost treated like children and that they're to be seen and not heard.
0: I kind of wonder, uh, I think it did dawn on her and I think that she played into that a lot.
1: It's as I was saying it, like she demanded to be at the table so much, um, it is sort of as we're talking, kind of hitting me, okay, she, she was have so have
0: sly, yeah, I think she was really, um, sly isn't the right word, because that sounds like I'm casting some sort of negative judgment, she was very, uh, what's the word, like, she, she was on it, she mm-hmm. knew the system, she understood the system she was in, and she was going to make it work for her, and in some cases, she was a lot more to the point, especially with Jim, like, we are, We are two halves of this whole, and if I'm not here, you're not here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with some others, she was a little more um, nuanced about it, but Mm -hmm. I think she she knew what she was doing. Anywho, uh, it sounds like she spent some time quietly alone, even after she remarried because, you know, Mr. Messner was off in jail too. Um, But by the late 90s and early 2000s, she had become more of a fixture in the press again. She was on that VH1 show, The Surreal Life. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was on that Um, she did daytime TV interviews, the whole nine. She also really publicly battled cancer in 1996. She announced she had been diagnosed with colon cancer. And in 2005, she announced it had spread to her lungs. And then she ultimately passed in 2007, just months after stopping treatments, uh, in a YouTube rabbit hole that I landed at the bottom of, I came across an interview with her that was allegedly the day before she died. And it was intense. A person in late stages of cancer is, um, it's tragic. Yeah. Um, I only watched a bit of it because it really was a hard watch, Um, but it seemed really reflective um, and also a little bit hopeful. I think Tammy Faye really was looking to what she expected to see on the other side of this life, and I think she genuinely, truly believed that's coming for her, which feels very on brand for her. So for his part, after he was released from prison, Jim headed to Missouri, of all places, to the Ozarks to explore a new ministry called Morningside. By this time, he had also remarried, and in 2003, he launched a new Jim Baker show. According to several articles I found, I mentioned this at the top of the episode, Jim and his wife Lori now raise money for their ministry selling survivalist-type stuff, like freeze-dried food and such. His ministry also focuses on the end of days, revelations-type stuff. Uh, It's worth saying that in 2020, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, Jim got mixed up in even more legal scandal for pushing colloidal silver
1: Oh, I remember that happening. Mm-hmm.
0: So he said that would cure COVID. He settled all that legal trouble in 2021. Uh, but in that intervening year, he claimed the ministry was on the verge of bankruptcy because his illegal, his legal trouble had blocked him from accessing credit card donations. And he had a mini stroke, which his wife said was brought on from the stress of all the criticism that had recently been heaped on him, which she said was worse than he had ever experienced in his life. So, oh. One piece of their legacy I haven't yet addressed is their views on homosexuality within the context of what was essentially a conservis- conservative religious approach. I mentioned in 1987 it was alleged Jim had engaged in a number of same-sex sexual encounters. To the best I can find, he has consistently denied the sex part but he did acknowledge, quote, confusing thoughts in his mid-2000s autobiography. So I'm not here to speculate on his sexuality at all. The point I wanted to make was just that Jim and Tammy Faye seemed to consistently embrace the LGBTQ community, despite that going against the grain within their religious universe.
1: Oh, I didn't realize he did too.
0: Well, let me say, um, so in 1985, Tammy Faye, apparently with Jim's co-signature, hosted an interview on their network, the Praise the Lord Network, with Steve Peters, an openly gay church pastor in California who was living with HIV. Mm-hmm. She leveraged the interview as an opportunity to bring awareness to the issue and to share God's grace through the man's struggle. I found a 2021 interview with Steve, who is still living, and graciously reflected on that interview with Tammy Faye. So I said earlier, I couldn't figure out why it took so many years between Jim's sexual interaction with the church secretary, Jessica, to come to light. Steve said he was told Jerry Falwell decided to do something about the bakers after he saw this interview. And so he dug around a little bit and found some dirt, and then everything starts to fall apart for the bakers. So it took so long to come to light because it needed a powder keg, and Jerry Falwell was that person. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, so you just said you didn't realize Jim embraced the community. And
1: I'll tell you why, because I think I just, I didn't really under fully understand the timeline. And I know about that interview. We've talked about that interview. We've talked about that interview here. Um, well, we need to revisit you saying it is how I remembered it. Okay. Um, but, um, I thought they were already divorced. Mm. So I, I didn't realize he had, like, sanctioned
0: that. I say apparently his, his co-signature because, I mean, he helped make decisions about the show. Mm-hmm. So I assume he was okay with it. And later in that Ted Koppel interview I mentioned a few minutes ago, in the midst of all the controversy in, controversy in the late 80s, um, he was confronted with the allegations of same-sex interactions and was asked whether they were true. And Jim really plainly said, quote, People need to know that God loves homosexuals. So um, those are the nuggets that I can pull from. Mm -hmm. For her part, Tammy Faye lived that belief out through ministry through the rest of her life. So Steve Peters says she saw she had a ministry to the LGBTQ community and took great joy in it. She was the grand marshal of a pride parade at one point, and she had all the drag queens and the gay people all singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. She had them all singing along, and I would have loved to have seen that. So it's worth noting here that I found a CNN article about her legacy within the LGBTQ community, which suggested that she may actually have offered at best a mixed message on homosexuality. I'm offering this, and I would love for the first part to be true, but I'm offering this to be like totally as transparent as I can be. The article said she would appear at pride events, but never in a pride parade, and that when she was at these events, she would minister a message of forgiveness, suggesting that folks should live their lives as they see fit on earth, but they would have to confront their truth with God ultimately and that would be the true test so my
1: thought is that you know sometimes we talk about people doing the best they can for where they are at a given time that's kind of what it hit me as because I've read those and I do agree it, it, it is a mixed message but like um, I also think it was progress for then compared to the jerry falwell Mm -hmm. version of what some sects of s-e-c-t-s of religion believe about people you know what i'm saying all these things can be true i'm trying to be i'm like i'm I'm trying to be sensitive because i'm not saying like cool yeah go out there and say exactly what she said because it is a mixed message, and it isn't entirely fair, mm-hmm. but it is better than you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have to, like, uh, progress is not always sweeping. It's many times iterative. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: so to the best I can tell, Jim hasn't taken a public stance on homosexuality in recent years, so I don't have any more evidence on I, where he I'm stands. I'm
1: going to love with you, Nikki. I didn't know he was alive.
0: He is. I didn't Very know much the colloidal so. silver thing was him.
1: I remember it coming up um, through the evangelical. Crowd again, and uh, that was the most I knew about it.
0: So, so in closing, I had two thoughts to share. The first one is really random, but it brings a lot of things full circle. In the eyes of Tammy Faye, they show Tammy Faye, presumably at her lowest, living alone in an apartment, eating TV dinners, and she's watching Designing Women. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> in I fact, it was it. this yeah. season she was watching. Oh, was it? It was um, episode two from season four, One Night with You. Um, it was that part where they're standing in the kitchen, uh, and Suzanne is upset. I think it's a peanut, the peanut butter situation. They're talking about Suzanne being on a diet. Anyway, she's watching it. And Jan Hooks, who comes to the Designing Women cast later, was famous for her Tammy Faye impersonation on SNL. Oh, okay. All roads lead to Designing Women. The second one is a little more cerebral. So it's something I think we both think about a not insignificant amount as we consume news, media, and other information. An Allure magazine article about the eyes of Tammy Faye attributes this quote to Jessica Chastain, again, who played Tammy Faye in this movie. I had this judgment against her, and I realized it's so fascinating how the media can give everyone a collective memory that may not really be the truth. I wanted to do something about it to honor her. So, like, you get told this narrative by the media and you sort of just assume it's true. Like, in my mind, Tammy Faye was just makeup. Like, I didn't really know any, I didn't have a strong feeling about her one way or the other, except that she had makeup. Um, But I do know that I have a collective memory of the downfall of so many evangelicals with a lot of power. So I was genuinely pleasantly surprised to learn about Tammy Faye, in particular, just her genuine, true-seeming quote unquote, Christian spirit. It felt to me like what, what I want to get out of Christianity and what I want to get out of organized religion is a sense of community and love and grace. And I feel like Tammy Faye really embodied that in a way that I'm not sure I believe some of the others do. So I really appreciated that. And I also really hated that she was ridiculed so much um, and was only really kind of fully seen in death but it feels like it happens so often. Okay. So this week's extra sugar gave me so much to think about and process. I hope it does the same for you. I'm going to leave you with one thought from Miss Tammy Faye Baker. Honey, God loves everybody. It's human beings who mess things up. As always, please remember you can follow along with us and engage on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV, TikTok Sweet Tea TV Pod, email sweet tea TV Pod at gmail.com, and our website is www.SweetTeaTV.com. And come back next week for a brand new Sweet TNTV take on designing women. This has been this week's Extra Sugar.